Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show here on this Wednesday, WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joining me now, as he does every Wednesday at this time, Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Harry. Freddie, how are you? I'm good, brother Brady, my friend. How's everything with you? Everything is good. I've talked a lot of football to this point, so I actually want to stray away, at least to start here with you. What did you make of the Heat, one of the Celtics' playoff uh, nemesis, acquiring former Celtics guard Terry Rozier yesterday? Well, you need another score if you're the Miami Heat. So you need somebody else in that backcourt that can relieve that kind of pressure, Tyler Hero and also Jimmy Butler. And I thought this was a proactive move, excuse me, by the Miami Heat. Because at a certain point, you have to be concerned that Tyler Hero is going to have an injury that can knock him out of games in the regular season or knock him out of games in the playoffs. And we saw how much he was missed in the NBA Finals versus the Denver Denver Nuggets, excuse me. Not saying that he would have made a difference enough for them to win the series, but anytime you can put another score on your floor that can get you in here for 15 to 20 points per game, especially in the Eastern Conference where a lot of guards can score, it was a pretty shrewd move by the Miami Heat to help Jimmy Butler and Jessica Tyler Hero suffers another injury again down the stretch. You know, I haven't made a habit of watching too many Charlotte Hornets games over the last couple of years, but what I remember about Terry Rozier in Boston was was that as he was coming up, was a bit of me, selfish is the wrong word, but he was a score-first player, right? He was looking to establish himself. He was a score-first player. This move worries me because as we move forward a few years, right, he's a little older, probably a little more championship-driven. I think Spolster and Jimmy Butler are going to get the best out of him. Does he single-handedly beat the Celtics in the playoffs? No, but it becomes another difficult matchup for the Celtics along the way. I actually am very nervous about this move. Well, you're not the only one who should be nervous about this move because if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you're bringing Doc Rivers as a head coach. If you're the New York Knicks, if you're the Indiana Pacers, if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, this is the kind of move that teams that have a championship pedigree are going to make because he fits exactly what they need from him. He's a guy that can guard opposing point guards. You can play him with Jimmy Butler. You can play him with Tyler Hero. And when it comes to being a selfish player, I don't think you're wrong by saying that because he had that selfishness about him with the Boston Celtics. You go to a losing organization like the Charlotte Hornets, and you'll really learn very quickly that that kind of play is not going to work if you want to win a championship. So I'm with you. These are the kind of moves that your team, not just wanting to get to the NBA Finals, but to get back there and win it. These are the kind of moves that can determine if that's going to happen for Miami or not going to happen for everybody else in the Eastern Conference. Well, we are going to see the Celtics in heat tomorrow. We'll get a chance to see Rozier. That game's going to come up tomorrow night at 7.30, so we'll get a chance to see that one uh, firsthand there. All right, now let's move over to the NFL, Freddie. A lot of talk. I got to tell you, I love the draft, like love the Uh, draft, but for three days. I hate mock drafts. I hate the draft lead up. I can't stand any of it. And the Patriots were so bad, they forced me to have to care about this stuff. Mel Kuyper's got the Pats taking Drake May. Give me a little education on Drake May as someone we're, uh, we're watching for here. Well, he, he, can, he, he checks all the boxes, to be completely honest with you, Brady, because he can make throws. He's athletic in the pocket. He can climb the pocket. There's not a play that he can't make. And I thought at times last year with the North Carolina Tar Heels that he was trying to do too much because he lost a bunch of wide receivers that went to the NFL draft. The offensive line wasn't up to snuff. The running game didn't help him. I thought at times he put too much on his shoulders to try to carry that football team. And we saw him make some plays that were not going to be there. But I don't think there's, there's not a mistake about the 
fact that I believe he's going to be a terrific quarterback at the next level. He has the prerequisite height that you're looking for in a 6'4", 6'5", guy. He can see over linemen. He can see in between linemen. I think by going through that kind of adversity is only going to help him when he gets to the next level because if he can deal with that and that team still made a bowl game and we're in contention to try to get the ACC championship game, then anything that's going to affect him in the National Football League by having a chance to go through that, I think it's only going to help him at the next level no matter where he's drafted this season in the NFL. Pats have $65 million or so to spend in free agency. Gerard Mayo mentions the other day they have, quote, cash to burn. If you're looking yeah. at it in free agency from the Patriots' perspective, how do you want to burn that cash? Boy, that's a really good question because sometimes I wonder about a team spending money in free agency because you may be taking on somebody else's problem that they don't want to deal with anymore, and that's why they're letting them go in free agency because any quality free agent that a team wants to keep, they're going to do everything they can to keep that person unless they price themselves out of the building. So I've always been a little concerned when you try to be flush in free agency if you have that kind of cap number that you can make that work for your organization. But if I'm the New England Patriots, defense is not something to worry about. If you're going to spend money in free agency, you got to go out there. You got to find some playmakers, especially a wide receiver. Find guys that may be a third wide receiver somewhere, but that's ready to break out where you don't have to break the bank for somebody like that. I think if I'm going to spend that kind of money in free agency, if I'm going to help my offensive line, if I'm going to draft the quarterback at number three in the draft, then you got to find playmakers on the outside. And you get the sense that Gerard Mayo is not going to try to find these diamonds in the rough. He's going to try to find proven players either in the draft or in free agency. This way he's not trying to make somebody better than what everybody thinks about that player, whether they're drafting that player or going after that player in free agency. So, Freddie, I've seen uh, the crew over at WEEI. Some of them are really in favor of just spend it on as many wide receivers as you can find. I am in favor of draft a quarterback, one wide receiver in free agency, multiple offensive linemen, maybe draft another wide receiver. And I'm in favor of kind of babying my quarterback along, right? Run the football, good offensive line, good protection, play action, some deep shots down the field. And then in year two, we can start spending on bigger wide receivers again. Do you like my plan of building from the inside out? Or do you like people who who prefer the more star-driven playmaker down the field right away route? Well, I'm with you because a lot of those star players aren't released by their football teams. For example, you can't go into free agent and try to make a trade for a Tyree Kill, for example. Those things don't work because those guys are going to stay with their football teams. If you have a quarterback that you believe in and you're going to take that quarterback in the top three pick in the NFL draft, then you know you have to play the long game in terms of building around him, making sure he's protected by a running game or a better offensive line. The most valuable player to a young quarterback, in my opinion, is a tight end because if you can find a quality tight end, you can solve a lot of problems. You don't have guys on the outside. For example, look what George Kittle has done for Brock Purdy in his first two years in the National Football League with the San Francisco 49ers or Travis Kelsey did for Patrick Mahomes the minute Patrick Mahomes became a starting quarterback. Look at LaPorta, what he's done for the Detroit Lions and Jared off how he's been able to be a great fit in his rookie season. And before he got injured, TJ Hawkinson was having an all-pro season with the Minnesota Vikings, helping out Kirk Cousins. So as much as you want to try to find guys on the outside, you can find those thumpers on the outside, but if you're able to find a quality tight end or like a Dalton Kincaid type, what we've seen in the Buffalo Bills, you can't even imagine what that does to your quarterback, having that safety blanket that he can find a guy to throw the ball to and helping out guys on the outside getting one-on-one coverage and trusting you have a quarterback there and you get those one-on-one matchups. He can make those throws because the tight ends command so much attention because he's so good in the short or in the middle of the football field. It's too early to know the answers to this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley. 
They all have a chance to be re-signed by their teams. They they could be franchised by their teams. There's a chance they none of them ever hit the market. Right. If one of the if they do, do you like any of them as fits for the Patriots? Oh, I like all of those fits because no matter who you're getting, you're getting a number one wide receiver that's going to command double teams on the outside. And you mentioned Michael Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's done something never done before in the National Football League. His first 10 years in the NFL, he had a 1,000-yard season each of the first 10 years. And outside of the drops issue they had towards the end of the year, he's still a quality wide receiver that has more than enough left, more than enough juice in his legs to be an impact player on the outside. So any one of the four guys that you mentioned, that if their teams decide they are too priced worthy they got to be more price conscious and not bring those guys back if you're the pages you can be in that market you got the kind of money under the salary cap you have to kick your tires to find exactly which is going to fit our quarterback because all four of those guys are going to fit whatever quarterback you bring in whether it's a free agent which i don't think that's where they're going to go or a rookie quarterback which i think they're clearly going to do that with the third pick in the draft in april do you think that um let me see do you think well, let me ask you this. I got to ask a personal, a personal fan question first. You're on the national scene. You're talking to people. Who are my Seahawks going to hire as head coach? Because I haven't heard one iota of anything yet. I think the Seahawks' next head coach is part of the NFL championship weekend. I firmly mm-hmm. believe they're waiting more than likely for a Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. I think that's who they have targeted exactly who they want because if you believe that your offense has to be better in that division, where you got to deal with San Francisco, Arizona has shown that they can they have players and they have an offense that can really do some things in that division. And the Los Angeles Rams had a great run, and Matthew Stafford's going to play another couple of years, and they got, they got Kyron Williams. I think they're waiting for a guy along the lines of Brian Johnson, the offense, Brian Johnson, excuse me, the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. So I think the Seahawks' mm-hmm. next head coach is somebody that's a coach this weekend as an offensive coordinator, or even a defensive coordinator like Mike McDonald, who's getting a lot of play the defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. I think where the Seahawks next head coach is going to be is part of championship weekend this weekend in the NFL. What do you think about Belichick? Falcons are bust? It's looking like bust right now because if you told me or asked me this question, Brady, six days ago, I'd have said, oh, that's a fait accompli, that he's going to be the Atlanta Falcons head coach when they had not one but two interviews with Bill Belichick because I was of the mindset that you're not going to have two interviews with a guy like that and then say, nah, we're good. Well, they're interviewing a whole bunch of other people, and this may be part of their process to make sure they get the right guy. But a guy like Bill Belichick with his pedigree and what he did for 24 years in New England, the four the four years lastly notwithstanding, you would think that would be an easy mix and match with him going to the Atlanta Falcons who believe they're a coach and quarterback away from doing some things in the NFC. I think the longer and longer that that takes, the worse and worse it is for Bill Belichick finding a place to go because it's not the Atlanta Falcons. He's not going to be coaching in the National Football League and that's going to be very strange when September rolls around and Bill Belichick is not patrolling a sideline anywhere in the National Football League. Freddie Coleman, Freddie and Harry, ESPN Radio. Freddie, much appreciated as always. Catch up again in seven days. Can't wait to do it in seven days, my friend. Be well and enjoy championship weekend, too.